0: So we're in Shara B'tachon, Chavot we're in chapter 4, and Chavot Elevavot is now discussing the first category to which B'tachon applies to us, and he chooses to start with health and basic sustenance. He says, the Mehem, the first category in which we can practice Bitahon, the Adam Bilbad, which includes matters pertaining to the existence and survival of a person's body alone, Mehem more specifically, the person's life or death. Right, whether in any given situation a person will live or die. Also includes his basic food provisions that he needs to sustain life. His essential clothing and shelter. And his health and illness, and other similar qualities. So Havot levavot is basically listing here the different components that go into a person's physical health, the, the sustenance of his body, which determine either life or death, and he wants to discuss how we can apply bitachon to these areas. And he says the proper way of applying bitahon in Hashem with regard to each of these matters is, A person should surrender himself completely to the outcome of whatever decree Hashem has issued for him in these matters. So what he's saying is, anything having to do with life or death, anything having to do with the food, clothing and shelter that the person requires to survive. Anything having to do with his health and illness and healing, he should completely put the outcome in the hands of Hashem. And he should rely on Hashem's decision. And know that in all these situations that we're discussing, he will not be able to attain what he wants through his own efforts or through anyone else's efforts anything other than what Hashem has already determined to be most appropriate for this person and this person's situation in this world and in the world to come, the Oteb Tov Lachari Tov, and is ultimately the best thing for him. Basically, what he's saying is at the end of the day, a person's only gonna live as long as Hashem has decreed and will only be as healthy to the extent that Hashem has decreed. And the food, clothing, and shelter that comes along with the person's existence is all the way Hashem measures it and decrees it. And nothing anyone can do will lengthen his life beyond the time Hashem granted him, or improve his health or lot beyond what Hashem has decreed. And if one situation does not seem good, he should trust that Hashem knows what he's doing, and this is ultimately what's for his best. Now, the question of hishtadlut automatically comes up, says, what do you mean? There's definitely things I could do to make myself more healthy, and there's definitely things I could do to make myself uh, 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 let's say less sick or more, or even more sick, God forbid if a person has, let's say, very bad habits or unhealthy habits. So what Havot Elavot is gonna do is he's gonna explain how that's a totally different subject, right? Ishtad lut is 100% effort that comes from us, but the outcome is 100% from Hashem. The result is 100% Hashem. So yes, we can do things in the physical world to improve our condition, but we have to leave the outcome up to Hashem. And that's what he's ultimately going to teach. A person should realize that Hashem's control is equally exclusive in regards to all these matters, meaning it's a person shouldn't think, oh, I agree, I believe that my the the the, the, the day of uh, the passing or day a person passes away is from Hashem, but no, I don't think health is in Hashem's hands. No, no way, and sickness, no, a person could be healthy. You have to believe that it's all equal. Hashem manages all these things equally. No human being has the ability to employ a strategy or control in any of these areas except with Hashem's permission and in accordance with his degrees and judgment. What he's saying is, even if a person does do hishtadlut, The outcome is strictly in Hashem's hands. If Hashem wants to give the person permission to achieve his goal and decree and judge that this person's effort should come to fruition, then he can. If he chooses not to, then the person will struggle. Just like no human being has control over one's life, death, illness, and health, Similarly, the person has no control over his food provisions, his sustenance, his clothing and any other matter pertaining to the maintenance of his body. Now, he's bringing the example that we just mentioned where a lot of people realize that yes, okay, my life's in health, are in Hashem's hands, but then they'll think that they have control over other areas, right? Like we said, the example, like getting food, like their livelihood. But the same way Hashem determines how long a person will live and how healthy he'll be, he'll also decide everything else in terms of livelihood. So in very short, a little summary of what we just read, basically Hashem manages all of a person's affairs. Hashem knows what's best for a person and nothing happens unless it's in accordance with Hashem's will. Therefore, regardless of the situation, one should surrender himself to Hashem's decision, trusting that whatever it may be, it's for his ultimate benefit. Now, let's get into the topic of hishtadlut, Chavot Elevot notes, right? That one is nevertheless required to engage in hishtadlut. Let's see what the balance is. Ve'im beru now along with one's clear conviction and emunah, bitahon ki inyano masud el gezerot ale. Once he realizes that all his personal matters are dependent solely on the decisions of Hashem, and that Hashem's choice for him is always the absolute best. He's at the same time obligated to pursue the avenues for his benefit. The person is basically obligated to do what he needs to do to be healthy, do what he needs to do to make money, do what he needs to do to live a long life. He has to strive to remain safe, to be healthy, to earn a living, to maintain his health and so forth. He should choose from the various options available to him, in front of him. Whatever course of action seems to be best for the situation. And Hashem will then carry out what he previously decreed for him to be for the best. So basically, Hashem expects us and requires us to do our Hishtadlut. We have to put in the appropriate effort, right, to obtain our needs. But once we make our lut, that's it. Hashem's going to ultimately provide in accordance with his decision. Now, that doesn't mean that Hashem's only going to provide from our hishtadlut, from our efforts. It just means once we do our hishtadlut, once we do our part, Hashem will then be able to send the person and wanna send the person whichever way he seems fit, what the person needs to experience. Now, if a person doesn't do any hishtadlut, there's no guarantee that he's gonna receive what he needs, right? Hashem may have decreed that no, he has to do his hishtadlut to get what, he, what what's coming for him. So that's, that's an important detail you have to understand that, that once the person does the proper hishtadlut, Hashem will then guarantee that his essential needs will be met uh, in, the, in the way of, of what's best for him. So now, Chovot Alevavot is going to want to talk about how to balance this, right? How do we do this in, the pers- in our personal matters, uh, especially with the preservation of life, meaning especially with making sure we live long and we're healthy and we're well. An example of this concept we're discussing is as follows. Ki adam afal Even though a person's end and his allotted days are decreed by Hashem, meaning even though Hashem knows the day a person is going to pass away. A person has the responsibility to pursue the ways and means and activities that will keep him alive. He he needs to go after having the proper food, drink, clothing, and shelter, and anything else he needs to survive. And he should not place this responsibility on Hashem and saying, for example, If the Creator has already decreed that I should live, then Hashem will take care of my soul and my body my whole life. Uh, Even without food, so I'm not going to bother to make an effort to go do the work that I need to 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 be provided for. So what he's saying is, what he's saying is that a person has to do what he has to do to be kept alive. A person can't just say, Oh, Hashem's going to keep me alive. I don't have to do anything." No, that's not how it works. You know, another interpretation, another way to look at it is you could say in terms of how we treat our bodies, right? A person can't just smoke cigarettes, God forbid, and drink alcohol, God forbid, and eat very unhealthy, God forbid, and sit on the couch all day and not be productive, and then just expect, oh, if Hashem wants me to lift the 120 and make money, I will, and if he doesn't, no. It's saying here, you have to make the best decision in the moment. That's that's the form of ishtadlut is, you have to do your best using your sechel to make the best decision in the moment, and then Hashem takes care of the rest. And He gives his own examples of how a person, you know, could either do the right thing or the wrong thing in these situations. Watch. Likewise, it would be improper for a person to endanger his life through his trust in the decree of Hashem and drink deadly poisons, right? A person can't just drink a deadly poison and say, oh, if I'm destined to live, this won't harm me. He said, nor should a person uh, go try to wrestle a lion or any other dangerous animal and, and say, oh, I have horn; it's okay, I'm going to be taken care of. It doesn't matter that I'm in danger. If I'm meant to live, I'm meant to live. He's saying you you, you can't do that. Um, you have to take the hishtadlut uh, course of, of making the right decision and working within the confines of, of what's intelligent physically as hishtadlut. And then Hashem will provide. Or you shouldn't jump into the ocean or jump into a fire. Or, or, or put himself in any other similar type of a unsafe hazard, uh, hazardous situation to endanger his life. Um, and and Torah tells us this where it warns us in Devarim Lo Adonai kashen Do not test Hashem, your God, as you tested Him at Masa. And we're realizing that, that it doesn't matter what type of situation it is. A person should conduct himself wisely. A person should not put himself in danger. It's foolish. To think that your emunah or your bitahon will save you in a situation that you put yourself in that's dangerous. And there's a beautiful story here that in the in the in the in the commentary shares to give an example of when you can have peace in danger versus when you need to be afraid in danger. And it has to do with how much loot you put in. Right, if a person does everything he can and does all his loot as much as he can, then he doesn't have to worry about the outcome. A person who's scared of his health failing, it must be he's scared because he's not confident in his hishtadlut, not in his bitahon. And, and here's a beautiful example and I'm gonna read straight from the text. When Germany sought to conquer Warsaw and Poland during World War II, The planes dropped bombs daily on the city of Warsaw, destroying building after building, killing the inhabitants. Many chose to seek shelter in basements, but even they were not safe. Because if a building was hit directly by a bomb, those in the basement would be buried under the rubble with no means of escape. At the same time, the Brisker Rav, Rav Yitzchak Zel Soloveitchik, was sheltered in the apartment of a Warsaw Jew by the name of Rav Yaakov Tanzman. And the Rav ruled that the basement was not any safer than the building itself. So each night he would go to sleep on a regular bed, very comfortable, in his host's second floor apartment, and sleep very peacefully. He slept beautifully. So the hosts were amazed. They were shocked. They were confused. How could he sleep? When at any moment, the house might get blown into bits. Even more perplexing was that the Rav was known for his extreme concern for the slightest chance of danger. But in this time of certain danger, he's, uh, he's calm. He's sleeping. What did Briskor Rav explain? What did he say? And this is a quote. I'm not afraid of the danger because I know that Hashem is watching over us. We see that David Amelech when in flight from Avshalom, trusted in Hashem's protection from the constant danger and said in Tehilim, I lay down and slept, yet I woke for Hashem supports me. When I do show concern for danger, it is not the threat of death that I fear. My concern is only that I may not have fulfilled my obligation to protect myself. Perhaps I have not taken all the measures to avoid peril that Halakha demands In our situation, there's no possibility of escaping or even minimizing the danger. The risk of sleeping in the house as opposed to the basement are equal and nowhere in the city is safer than anywhere else. So since I'm certain that there's nothing more I can do to protect myself, I know I have discharged my obligation and I can feel serene. Amazing. So what he's basically saying is he only shows concern for danger when he's concerned that he has not fulfilled his obligation of his properly. If he feels he fulfilled his obligation of his properly, he has nothing to worry about. The rest is in Hashem's hands. So an example for us in this topic, in this subject of health, where he's talking about, if a person is dealing with a health issue, if a person is dealing with a health struggle, why is there one guy with the health struggle, exact same health struggle, where maybe he's very nervous, he can't sleep at night, he's all paranoid. Then you have the second guy who has the same exact situation, and he's all calm. And then let's say you have a third guy who's also all stressed out. And you'll see why I'm giving an example of three guys, two who are stressed out, because they might be stressed for two different reasons. You might have one guy with an health condition who's stressed out because he lacks in vitahon. So in general, he's just afraid. You might have the second guy who's calm because he has Bitahon in Hashem and he's done the hishtadlut that he had to do to feel comfortable with himself. And then you might have a third guy who's stressed out because even though he has Bitahon in Hashem, he's not confident in the hishtadlut he's done. So the point is, if someone is, God forbid, struggling with a health issue, he should do everything he can in his power to improve that health issue. And once he does, rely on his bitachon. Once he does realize, the rest of the outcomes in Hashem's hand. But if a person is stressed out about his health condition and he realizes that he's not doing the hichtatlut properly, he's not exercising, he's not eating healthy, he's not taking his medicine, he's not doing what he's supposed to, then that anxiety is real. Because he's not doing his hishtadlut. He cannot just rely on his imunan b'tahon. He has to do his hishtadlut. And with time, should try to improve his hishtadlut. So that's that's the little lesson that we received from this section, which I think is, is super, super powerful. And Chuvot uh, al as he heads to the conclusion of this first section where he talks about health, he's going to explain why besides the prohibition of testing Hashem, right, we're relying on a miracle, it's, it's foolish to endanger uh, uh, your life. You know, he gave examples, like we said, of fighting a lion or jumping into a fire. Exposing oneself to dangers harmful for two reasons, because two outcomes will inevitably occur, or to one possibility is that he's gonna die, right? One possibility, God forbid, a person puts himself at risk, he can pass away. And that would be considered as if, God forbid, he killed himself. God forbid, it's like the guy committed suicide, right? If a person voluntarily puts himself in danger, it's, it's not a good thing. And that's gonna be considered in the next world when he's judged as if he killed another person. Even though his death was, of course, in the decree of Hashem, right, with his permission, because if Hashem wanted to save the guy, he could have saved him, right? So even though it was part of Hashem's decree that this person, God forbid, passed away when he put himself in danger, he's still responsible because he put himself in that situation. He, he, he tested the laws of nature and he tested Hashem's willingness to perform a miracle and put himself at risk. And, and he will be held accountable because Hashem warned us not to kill anybody through any means. When he said, you shall not murder. This applies even to a person who the murder victim is himself. Or if he brought about his death indirectly, God forbid, or recklessly by being in some type of very dangerous situation. Because we have to remember our life is not ours, right? Hashem lent us our lives for a certain amount of time. For us to serve him and make the world a better place. So, if God forbid, a person takes his own life, even by mistake, by putting himself in danger, you're violating the commandment "You shall not murder." That's what that's what is trying to say here. It's as if he, it's it's like he took another life. It's it's just as bad. In fact, he says that it's even worse technically. Meaning, God forbid, a person putting his life in danger. If God forbid he he, he dies, it's worse than if you went and killed somebody else. Why? The closer the relationship between the victim and the killer, yeah, it's more severe, it's more bad, the punishment's worse. Like it says that Hashem's gonna punish Edom, Esav, extra. Why? Because he pursued his brother, he tried to kill his brother, whatever, his cousins, the Jews, right? So, so so since a person who tries to kill someone close to him. It's worse than God forbid if you kill someone further to him. imagine God forbid a guy by mistake kills himself it 's a big problem and 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 the and thedesh in the commentary he says it's because people naturally feel more compassion to close to people relatives, friends. so if God forbid a person kills somebody that 's close to them, it shows how inhumane and how cruel this person really is when now he 's killing a guy he's killing somebody that 's close to him. so now you have an issue, God forbid a guy puts himself in danger. And 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 it's going to be serious for another reason if a person does this. Because someone who, God forbid, harms his life and puts his life in danger where he loses his life, he, he's compared to a servant, who's commanded to guard a place for a certain time, and warned him not to abandon his post, until Hashem tells him, or until the master tells him, he's free to leave, and the servant realizes that the guy didn't come, he left his place, and his master is now angry and punishes him severely, it's the same way, a person who leads to his own death, who risks killing himself by behaving recklessly, this person abandoned his post in the service of Hashem and and, and, and and defied Hashem by putting himself in mortal danger, right? A person is granted life to serve Hashem. So we're expected to guard our life. That's why you could technically the whole Torah you could put away in the drawer to save your life. Right? If your life's at risk, you could desecrate the Shabbat, which is the, the greatest thing. So we have to we have to understand that we have to preserve our life. And a person who voluntarily puts himself at risk, it puts himself in danger. It's, it's, it's bad because you, you're going against that. So now he gives a few examples from the Tanakh of people who were cautious to not endanger themselves um, to, and, and prove this concept. And the first comes from Shmuel, from the Navi, uh, where, where King uh, King Saul, Shaul, failed to fulfill Hashem's command to destroy Amalek. So now Hashem instructs Shmuel to, to fill his horn with oil, go to the city of Bethlehem and anoint one of Yishai's sons, which we know is David HaMelech, as Shaul's replacement, and Shmuel's response is what teaches us this lesson. Therefore, because a person does not have a right to endanger his life, we see that Shmuel and Avi may rest in peace. Right? Says to Hashem in response to Hashem, telling him to go to Bethlehem and anoint Yishai. How could I go if Shaul finds out he's going to kill me? And this response was not considered a deficiency in Shmuel's bitahon. It's the opposite. Hashem's response to Shmuel shows that Shmuel's comment was praiseworthy. His concern to be put in danger, that Shaul would kill him if he found out that he went to anoint David, was actually praiseworthy. Amarlo, Hashem responded. Take a young bull, tell him I come to to bring a sacrifice to Hashem. And then he says in the rest of that passage, he basically says, uh, uh, go bring a sacrifice, invite Yishai and his sons to eat. And then you could quietly, low-key, tell him that you want to anoint his son. So Hashem, by giving Shmuel a plan of how to be more low-key and undercover when approaching Yishai to anoint David, proves that Hashem agrees with Shmuel's uh, weariness and cautiousness to not just show up and put his life at risk, where if Shaul found out he's going to anoint David, he'd kill him. So that shows that Shmuel didn't have a lack of bitahon, but he's guarding his life. He's using the best decision and the best choices he can make in those moments in the physical world to protect his life. And Hashem's reply indicates that Shmuel's concern for his life was justified. Because if this concern was a deficiency in Shmuel's bitahon, God forbid, if, if it was a deficiency in his one, Hashem would have answered it much different. Hashem would have said something like this, I put people to death, and I bring people to life, I destroy and I heal, or some similar response, right? Hashem would have told Shmuel, no, 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 I'm Hashem, I determine who lives and who dies, and your safety's not at risk. But because he didn't say that, It proves that Shmuel was thinking the right way. So now he gives an example of the other way, where Hashem told Moshe, if you remember, You remember when Hashem told Moshe, go to Paro, release the Jewish people. What did Moshe response? I'm not a man of words, I'm heavy of mouth and heavy of speech, right? The Mefarshim say that Moshe was saying, I have a lisp, I don't know how to speak properly, I have a stutter, how am I going to go to Paro? Mi sam, Pele, Adam o mi or or So what does Hashem respond to? Who makes a mouth for a man? Who makes someone mute or deaf or sighted or blind? Is it not me, Hashem? So in Moshe's case, his attempt to avoid going to Paro was not out of concern for his life. It wasn't out of concern that his mission would endanger his life. Rather it was because he felt he was unqualified to do what Hashem was asking him to do. So what did Hashem do? He responded with a little bit of rebuke. He said, whoa, 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 if I send you, you should believe that I'm gonna make you qualified. So so he's giving an example of of how Shmuel's answer, his answer to Shmuel could have been different if Hashem felt it was a bitachon issue. If Shmuel's argument that fulfilling Hashem's mission would endanger him, if that was inappropriate, Hashem would have answered similar to the way he answered Moshe. But since Hashem instead told him Shmuel had accomplished the mission safely, it's obvious that Shmuel's concern was justified. Now, Shmuel, despite his complete righteousness, right, which, which made him deserving of Hashem's protection, was not lenient with himself to enter even into a relatively small risk of danger on the, on the scale of risks. meaning. By going to anoint one of these shy sons, there was only a small possibility that Shaul will hear and kill him. First of all, it's a slow chance that, it's a slim chance that Shaul would even find out. Then would he even go and try to kill him? And on top of that, he's doing a mission of Hashem. He's, he's probably safe. Yet, Shmuel felt, nope, I must be concerned. Even though the risk is not so great, I need to be concerned. So so, so he's bringing a call home Homer, right? Because he's saying, okay, then. so, so if Shmuel who didn't really have to be so concerned, was concerned. What about guys that are wrestling lions, jumping at the fires, drinking poison, you know, all the examples of Chovot, even things that people do today, cigarettes, driving drunk, things like that, right? So what does he say? Even though Shmuel went and was doing a mitzvah, the command of Hashem, who told him, go do this, right? Fill your horn with oil and go to Yeshai. Call all the more so, all the more so it would be so disgraceful for another person, not as great as muel, to risk his life for something that's not a mitzvah, and that's even more risky. So so he's saying we in our lives, we have to we have to put extra effort to preserve our lives, right? And, and and uh just to read some of the commentary, while Khvotlvot cites the incident of Shmuel to prove that concern for danger is appropriate. Even when one is sent on a mission by Hashem, the question must be asked. Why in fact is his concern justified? Is it not presumable that Hashem will protect his emissary from whatever hazards he might encounter on his mission? There's a rule, those on a mission to perform mitzvah are not harmed. So they're, they're, they're doubling down on the question, they're saying, but but then truly, why is Shmuel concerned at the end of the day if he's doing, if he's doing something uh, for Hashem, he's doing a mitzvah and he's a Navi? Like, should he really be this nervous? Radak and others explain that although Hashem performs miracles for his faithful ones when necessary, it's inappropriate to rely on miracles. Rather their duty is to take normal precautions so that they could carry out Hashem's command within the natural parameters of the world. And the incident of Shmuel is but one of countless instances of the righteous employing these natural means to fulfill Hashem's word. For example, now it's giving a bunch of examples. Although Hashem commanded Yaakov to return from Lavan's house to the land of his forefathers, when Yaakov heard that Esav was approaching with four hundred men, he went through great lengths to appease Esav and avoid peril. Great point, right? Yaakov Avinu, Yaakov. Can you get anyone? Can you think of anybody greater than Yaakov of his generation? He heard Esab's coming, he had to get, he divided his family, he had to plan how they would attack, how they would retreat, he sent him gifts, you have to do Yishtadlut. Since according to the natural order of the world, the encounter with Esab presented danger, Yaakov understood that it was his duty to do what he could to protect himself and not rely on a miracle. We similarly find throughout the Tanakh that when the Jewish people went out to battle, even on specific command from Hashem, they employed strategies and tactics that would enable them to wage war successfully, right, in the Navi. I mean, the Navi, Hashem basically told the Jews there's gonna be miracles. They still had to go out and fight with weapons. This is how Hashem wishes for people to conduct themselves. In a similar context, the Hazor and Ish family expressed, one must not be dismissive of nature for the laws of nature are actually the most constant will of the Creator. So when Shmuel said to Hashem, how can I go if Shaul finds out he will kill me? He wasn't, God forbid, not having it bitahon, or he wasn't saying, ah, you know, I can't do this mitzvah. He was saying, how can I perform this mission without endangering myself so that it doesn't take a miracle to protect me. So that's why Hashem's response was he answered him, he said, okay, this is how you're going to do it. This is how you're going to do it. So that was the first, all the things we just said was the first possible outcome of God forbid a person endangering himself, which is that he might die as a result. And now that he explained about why it's a problem and and that we would be held accountable, God forbid, for ending our own lives, God forbid, if if we're reckless. Now talks about the second possible outcome. The other possibility is that the person will be rescued from death with the help of Hashem. But now All his accumulated merits, all his past mitzvot are wasted away, right? To pay for this uh, Yeshua, to pay for this salvation. Hashem had to do a crazy miracle against nature to save you, to save this person. And now all his merits uh, were used up. He had to pay the price. We have siege secharo. And he's forfeiting his reward for all these mitzvot. Right? To earn the miracle of being saved from death, especially a situation where a person endangers himself. He has to use up the spiritual capital that he built up through his good deeds. So now the future reward of the mitzvot diminished, it's a heavy price to pay for reckless behavior. And uh, and he supports it by saying as our sages say concerning this topic in the Gemarats Shabbat a person should never stand in a dangerous situation and say that a miracle will be performed for him because if he's saved Shema if a miracle happens. If a miracle doesn't happen, and, and he passes away, and if a miracle is in fact performed, and he survives, it's deducted from his merits. So, so like I'm not saying the same thing. A person should never stand in a dangerous situation and say a miracle is going to be performed because the miracle either doesn't happen and God forbid he dies, or a miracle does happen, and now he loses all his merits. As Yaakov says in Bereshit, I've been diminished by all the kindnesses and by all the truth you have done for your servant. Where Unkelus then uh, explains in his Targum, he translates it, My merits have been diminished by all the kindnesses and by all the acts of goodness that you've performed for your servant. Where Yaakov was basically concerned that all his storehouse of good deeds, all his uh, accumulations of good deeds, they were depleted to pay for all the kindnesses that Hashem did for him. Right when he was in Lavan's house, when he was saved by Lavan, and then he built up a big family and he became very wealthy. So he was worried that he no longer possessed sufficient merit to to, to deserve to be rescued from Esau Right? It's like I used I used up all my merits to be saved miraculously from Lavan and to have a big family and to make money. That now, how am I going to be? Uh, how am I going to be protected from Esau But the 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 point is that. Uh, a person, and, and, and this concludes the discussion of, of how bitachon applies and to what extent it does not apply to, to a person's life, but uh, the basic thing that we learned here is that a person must do hishtadlut, a person must put in his effort to take care of his life and to protect himself and to be and to be smart with his decisions. And if a person does everything he can in his hishtadlut, or he feels that he's putting in the proper effort for his health and for his wellness and for his life, then he could rely on his bitahon, then he, has to, he could have no worries and he can rely on Hashem for the outcome. And the two reasons that we mentioned that God forbid a person who puts himself in a, in a dangerous situation on purpose is, is, is not considered good is because God forbid, number one, the person might pass away, God forbid, which is like as if he took his life, or it would result in a miracle having to happen to save him, which also would get rid of his merits. So the, 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 the practical lesson, the practical takeaway, which uh, should all give us strength and faith and, and, and hope is that we can truly rely on Hashem uh, if we uh, do our hishtadlut. So the goal uh, is twofold. The first goal is to strengthen our emunah and Bitahon in general. Realizing that Hashem is the creator, is the master of the world, is with us managing every detail of life. And everything comes from Hashem and Hashem do, uh, only does what's best for us. And therefore we should rely on Hashem and trust Hashem to take care of us. And the second piece that we need to work on is our hishtadlut. How can we make better effort? How can we make better decisions? How can we make better choices? How can we implement things in our lives that enhance and improve what we desire, whether it's good health or money or shalom bayit? And God willing, with time, as we improve both our hishtadlut and our emunah and we can achieve everything we want in our lives and get everything that we hope to, to, to receive. Amen.